Welcome to the family with Doug Sprinthal and Andy Brampernard. And we'll be right back, kick things off. Uh, I never thought I'd get to the point where Andy and Doug and I would open a show talking about the masked singer. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought that would happen, but it's going to happen and it's going to happen next with the family. We barge in for a moment and talk about Walzer Automotive stuff. Dougie. All right, let's go. Um, shopping season is right around the corner. I'd say it's actually weird this year because I think the auto show is going to be in May again at the State Fair, so no more March auto show. But once we get to about President's Day, sales really start to pick up, uh, both in oh, the yeah. new and used car world. So remember about uh, Walzer Care, which is a 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty available for no charge on every new car we sell in the state of Minnesota and about 80% of our used cars. If you go to walzer.com, you can get more information at your fingertips. Man, Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Is that what we're doing? I like it. Works for me. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Doug uh, took, what, three, four years God, off the forever. Show. In fairness, I was traveling for work, and then before that I had COVID. So it's not like I've been sitting around playing scratch-offs and trying to win meat raffles at the VFW. Well, I'm glad to hear that. It's about time you showed up, though. <laughs> I almost, forgot, I almost forgot where it was. I had to look it up on the map. Oh, yeah? The secret studio location. Mm-hmm. The secret studio, ladies and gentlemen. We're actually in So Iowa. once in a while, Surprise. when I sit down and I start uh, reading some news going into uh, into the this show or, you know, whatever, uh, I run across these things, and I just, I just have such a hard time believing these things are going on. I, I just... I have a question for you. Now, I, I always point out that my mother was very liberal, and uh, my my cousin, second cousin, Lamont Dean, was was very not very conservative, but quite conservative, certainly as compared to uh, to my mother. Uh, they agreed basically on nothing politically, but they were dear friends. They they loved one another, and they never talked politics with one another. Why can't we get back to those days where you could have a different opinion than I do, uh, even on serious points, and I could still love you uh, as uh, my cousin, right? Well, we've had those conversations uh, in the Tiki Hut during voting season on FDOC. We were about split between the lefties and the righties, and a couple of times it got a little heated, and I had to tell friends of mine, 
look, I don't like the president. That doesn't mean I don't like you. And they go, oh, okay, I can, I can live with that. Yeah, was that now or when Trump was in? Well, I no, got that both. was, yeah, that'll be probably this year's conversation. Not a lot going on at the Tiki at FDOC right now. It's a little chilly. That's true. A little little nine below action yeah, this morning. Pretty nice out. So I did not know about this because I don't watch The Masked Singer. I don't pay any attention to it. I don't particularly care for Rudy Giuliani either. I think he's a scam artist, but that's just me. Rudy Giuliani was unmasked as an exiting costume contestant in last week's taping of the first season, uh, the first seven, season seven episode, excuse me, of Fox's popular primetime series, The Masked Singer. Deadline hears that as soon as they saw Giuliani, judges Ken Jeong and Robin Thicke quickly left the stage in protest. The show is known for its jaw-dropping surprises when celebrity contestants shed their headpieces after being eliminated. The action to Giuliani was perhaps the most polarizing the show has been since 2020. The Masked Singer faced criticism then when another controversial Republican politician, Sarah Palin, was unveiled as the bear. Well, first of all, I have a question for you. Wasn't Robin Thicke born in Canada? I would assume so. His dad is. I'm not buying it anyway. You're not buying what? This reeks of a publicity game. Well, of course it does, yeah. It really does. There's no question. Rudy Giuliani singing? I doubt it. The hills are alive. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think I think you'll see him sing for real. Yeah. I mean, singing. I hope they all sing because I don't like any of them. They're all. I've decided Republican, Democrat. You can have them. All. I don't hate them. I won't hate you if you like them. Uh, they're just not for me. They're not my kind of people. I think they're disgusting. You actually. want the entire federal government to sell each other out simultaneously? That'd be quite yeah, the there day. You go. Andy, can you figure out what song he actually sang? I wonder, actually. Well, while I look this up, we the have... The good, the bad, and the cuddly. We have our guest on the phone. Craig oh, we have our guest. Okay, yes, we'll get back to this. Mike, because Mr. Gelfand, I do want to get your take on this whole situation, because the world is getting crazier by the minute. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, the clock is ticking, too. Yes, and the clock keeps ticking. There's no question about it. Ladies and gentlemen, the Disaster Ready Home, a step-by-step emergency preparedness manual for sheltering in place. Our very special guest with us, Creek Stewart. How are you doing, Creek? Hey, fantastic. Thanks for the opportunity to be on today. I appreciate it. Uh, not a problem. Now, I should ask you, because depending on where you live in America, your name could be Creek or Crick. <laughs> yeah, you know, some of my relatives call me Crick. <laughs> so I... I'm, I'm actually, <laughs> actually here in the Midwest. I'm in... I'm in Indiana. You're in so you're a creek. I am typically creek, but I do have some relatives in Kentucky who refer to me as Creek. Now, I have a question for you, Creek. Uh, the disaster ready home. I did notice. I just glanced uh, at the uh, news this morning and and saw that uh, the United States of America is now thirty trillion dollars in debt. Should I get ready for the disaster right now, Creek? Because it ain't going to be pretty, man. Well, I tell you what, I have a I have a saying, and it's and it's it's not if but when that I yep. believe we'll all be faced with some disaster of, of of one or another. Most of what I discuss are natural disasters that might trap us at home for a short sure. period of time, but. To be honest with you, so many of the, the preparedness tactics and trips and tips that I that I share, they're they're valid in any disaster, whether it's an economical collapse, a pandemic, or or a tornado. You know, so uh, that's the great thing about about 
preparedness is we all have the same needs regardless of the disaster. Creek, I, I must point out at this juncture, and I won't use the man's name because I was a, I was a, his son was a very good friend of mine, but I went to his house one time, and uh, mm-hmm. they were eating breakfast, and his father said, Tommy, sit down, sit down, we'll have a little breakfast with us. And I said, well, I haven't eaten breakfast. That's nice of you to invite me. Hey, he said, have a seat. I'll go grab you a plate. Goes, grabs me a plate, comes back. There are a couple of pancakes on the plate and a couple pieces of bacon. And I start to eat, and I go, this is interesting. This, I said, what kind of syrup is this? He goes, what do you mean? I said, the syrup on the pancakes. Now, I was in eighth grade at the time, and I started school early, so I think I was probably 11 years old, something like that, 10. I don't know how old I was, but well, not very old. So I'm eating my pancakes, and I said, what's the syrup on here? It's really unusual. He goes, what do you mean syrup? And I said, the syrup on the pancakes. He goes, oh, that's whiskey. I'm like, what? Hmm. <laughs> He pours whiskey on pancakes and gives them to a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid. I thought, that's pretty interesting, sir. i got to be honest with you. And then he yeah. said, you know, talking about being disaster ready, he goes, hey, you know, I got one of those. What did they call them back when they just they called them a bunker, I think, when they first came out when I was a kid? You had a bunker downstairs mm-hmm. or whatever. A fallout shelter? Mm-hmm. Fallout shelter, whatever it's called. He took me down to his bunker, his fallout shelter, and it was lined with whiskey bottles. Uh-huh. So, what do you think was going to happen, Creek? <laughs> I don't think it was coming out of that bunker once uh, yeah, it went you went in. Know, I mean, everybody's strategy is a little bit different. Uh, my, right. mine mine, <laughs> my food storage isn't necessarily lined with whiskey bottles, but you know, I mean, I, I've got some other, I've got some other things in there that that I feel are important. Um, but to each their own, right? Yes, absolutely. He, he, well, he's no longer with us, but he wouldn't be with us anyway because he'd probably be about 100 years old mm-hmm. now. So I think he's yeah. long gone, yeah. but, you know, what, what are you going to do? Should we, Creek, at this point, look, it does frighten me a lot, the fact that we're $30 trillion in debt and we haven't stopped borrowing. How much is the in- interest on it again per day, Andy? The interest is like a billion dollars a day or something, or what is it? I don't know. Well, you could look Make it up. Is what up. I'm trying to say here. You know, you, you could look it up. Seventeen $1.87 a day. I just made that up. I, yeah, no see, there you go. I bet you you're pretty close. I bet you that's close, though, Dougie. I wonder. Yeah, and you'll look it up. Uh, but maybe this cannot be. I have noticed, Creek, that people are getting more and more and more angry. We have murders every day, five times a day in Minneapolis and St. Paul. And here we go. Another uh, fifth. Oh, you got it. Last year it was three hundred billion in uh, in the year, so a little under a billion a day. Yeah, and and now uh, this year I think yeah. it's over on a billion interest a day. payments alone. On interest alone, Yikes. a billion dollars a day. Whoo, that's a lot of money. I can't fund it. Well, it's, no, I... it's things like that and many other um, realities in our lives that are making a lot of people think about this topic of preparedness. You know, whether it's the uncertainty yes. with our our fi- uh, the financial situation of our country and our government's decisions, or whether it's natural disasters. You know, there's a lot of people, especially within the past couple of years with everything happening with the pandemic, there's a lot of people thinking about at-home preparedness that were not thinking about it two, two and a half years ago. And that mm-hmm. was really the catalyst for, for writing this book. And it was it's really written for the people who have never started who have never thought about it before and you know who are trying to you know figure out wh- where do i get started and how do i not 
become a doomsday prepper, kind of cross that threshold into, you know, I'm not necessarily that person, but I also understand the common sense reality of the world we live in, and we need things in place just in case. I mean, we've, we've seen a number of things just within the past couple of years that we never thought we would have ever seen. And I, and I don't think that trend is going anywhere anytime soon, no. uh, whether it's natural disasters or things related to, you know, politics and, and the like. But having some basic preparedness strategies and, and tactics in place is a really, really good idea. And mo- most people head down that pathway thinking about food. Yeah, I could see that to be the case. No, no doubt about that. Look, I, there are a lot of things to be concerned about. I, and I should mention, this is not a political thing for me because I'm pretty much a centrist. I'm not wild about either re- Republicans nor Democrats. They, you know, I, I suppose yeah. centrist Republicans and centrist Democrats, I got no problem with. It's the far edges. These people are crazy, and I mean, we ended up with a couple of barn burners in a row because of our political views in this in this country. Um, and I don't dislike Biden or Trump. I don't like Biden or Trump. I, it's just they're not my kind of people. Uh, I don't like the things that they do. And, and I just, I don't. Well, you had well, lunch with them. I had lunch with Donald Trump. I did indeed. But I've never been invited to lunch with Joe Biden. If he invited me to lunch, I'd go. Why wouldn't I? He's president of the United States. I grew up in North Minneapolis. Of course I'd go. I would, I would have gone to either one as well. I was just teasing you. Yeah, no, I understand, Doug. You, you're a pretty straight-ahead guy. Mr. Gelfand, do you remember speaking to, talking about, you know, disaster-ready homes and all that? When we were about 10, oh, 11 sure. years old, 12 Duck years old, something like that. Well, you oh, had yeah, to... absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, everybody had a, had a fallout shelter. A lot yep. of it, of course, was associated with the, uh, well, most of it was associated with the Cold War. Yep. Yes. Missile attacks. So, so I think today maybe maybe it would just be something else <laughs> that it would be associated with. But, no, yeah, I right. mean, uh, I think most of our lives people have worried about the, uh, you know, whether it's for religious or political purposes or whatever. Right, right. People have worried about uh, the, the, uh, the end game. They have, and I mean, the, the biggest problem, Creek, that I had, as once again, I was not much more than about eight or nine years old. I tune in to watch the Twilight Zone, which I figured, hey, this is going to be cool. There'll be a ghost on there or something. You know, I'm nine, I'm eight, whatever. This will be cool. I tune in. It's about a fallout shelter and the United oh, yeah. States being attacked, and I scared the hell out of me, Creek. Honestly, God, I was terrified. That was not fair, yeah. do you think? Yeah, no, I could see how that could be a little uh, upsetting to a young a young lad, <laughs> but but I can promise you that you're not going to see the phrase fallout shelter or bunker in 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 my book right now. Um, not not because I think it's a joke, uh, but because um, it's it's not practical for most people. And I learned a long time ago that if that the more difficult and the more expensive something is to implement, the least likely someone is to do it. And so I really focus on the things that are easy to, to implement, that really move with people's preparedness, and that are easy on the budget. Yeah, that makes total sense. Now, I, you know, actually, Creek, thanks for calling in because now you got me in this weird mood. It's your fault because <laughs> when I was at St. Joseph's School, again, as a little boy, we had to they had the air raids go off. They did practice air raids, and we'd had to get under our desk, and then we had this, and then we – and then, of course, the sonic booms were happening when I was in about, I think, eighth grade, seventh grade. You'd be walking down the street, and all of a sudden, you yeah. boom, 
And I'm like, what in the hell is going on? What did I do when I was six years old that changed the world so much? It was a frightening time to be a kid, I will tell you that. It was a, a frightening time to be a little kid. I remember the <clears throat> air raid drills in second grade under my desk thinking, okay, I've been watching films of them blowing off A-bombs in the Bikini Atoll. Yeah. <laughs> what is this desk going to do? Uh-huh. Even as a second grader, that this is the biggest bunch of bullshit in the world. Yeah. It's true. You're right. So, Creek, what should we do? Okay, so get pre- we're going to get prepared because we're $30 trillion in debt. Luckily, we don't have any sonic booms or we don't have to go into shelters right now. So what should we do to kind of watch our own backs at this point? Well, there's really four or five main categories that we need to think about. Let's start with food. And a, a real easy way to, to think about food is by making a list of the top 10 to 20 items that your family eats the most often. And we want to make sure that the items on that list have a shelf life of about one to three years. And so this is inner aisle grocery store stuff like canned goods and box meals and pastas. Once we have that list of about 10 to 20 items, on the next trip to the grocery store, You want to think about picking up two or three extra of something on that list. And you want to do that every time you go to the grocery store over the course of the next few months. And what you'll be doing over the course of several weeks, a couple of months, is you're essentially building a long-term food storage pantry of the top 10 or 20 items that you know you're going to eat. Because the biggest mistake people make is they take advantage of some kind of random sale on food and they buy a random food product that, that's just not a normal part of their diet. That thing's just going to go to waste. It's going to expire, and they're going to end up throwing it away. Mm-hmm. So we want to build a long-term food storage pantry of food items that we know we're going to eat. Store what you eat and eat what you store. And you'll just rotate through that stuff as you run out of it in the kitchen. And so that right there, that concept of rotation and storing what you eat and eating what you store, the 10 to 20 items that you eat most often, that really is the core uh, every long-term food storage pantry that makes sense, especially for someone just starting out. That makes total sense, I think. And Ms. Gelfand, don't, don't that- hesitate to jump in if you'd like to do that. Um, yeah, no, I know. I, um, you know, I, I have the, uh, I have, a, I've stored up on the three things that uh, that at my age I'm allowed to eat. <laughs> That's it. You got three, three big ones, huh? But the problem is, I just don't think the avocados are going to last that long. <laughs> yeah, no. well, you got to stick to that one to your shelf life. <laughs> yeah. It's well, going to eliminate dry. all your fresh produce, that's for sure. How about freeze Soylent? Dry. Yeah. Soylent yeah, so may be the answer dry. to all of this. Yeah. What is the shelf life of Soylent? Well, I wonder. Freeze dry is a great option. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's a, that's a product that's kind of expensive. Um and it's really something that's not a part of your everyday lifestyle, right? So you buy freeze-dried, that's typically in a bucket. You put it in the corner of your basement. It's good for 25 years. It's a great survival item. But for most people, they're like, do I want to spend, you know, four, three, or $400 on a bucket of freeze-dried food that I'm probably never going to tap into mm. or only if there's a real survival scenario? If you're just starting out, use the item that you're already eating and enter them into a cycle of rotation a lot easier to do that to wrap your head around this idea of building up a long-term food storage pantry and you can supplement over time with freeze-dried food um but those are expensive i mean you pay for the convenience of freeze-dried freeze-dried food 
Yeah, that makes total sense. Now, okay, Gelfan talked about the three things he's allowed to eat. Andy, Doug, what would be the three things that you would make sure were in the bunker for you? Uh, God, that's a good question. We have a very uh, limited diet household between my wife and me, so it's like, you know, what can we even eat that? Gluten-free pasta? Uh, let's see here. I kind of like the whiskey and Adderall approach. Yeah. <laughs> one one brings you down, you know, you one fell brings down you back up. Cut yourself open, you'd have an anesthetic right there. That's true. Whiskey's a, a great solvent. Fair yeah, it's amount like, of calories. You can use there. it as a fuel so if you evaporate it. I don't know we be it. looking down on whiskey quite mm-hmm. so, so quickly. It's a very multi-purpose substance. could use it as a fuel. It mm-hmm. could be a currency. Yeah. It could be a, it currency. Could be a currency. Absolutely, Ooh. yes. That's true. I like that take. That's, a, that's a brilliant It's not going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. See, the beauty of Soylent, uh, if I can go back to that, is that it's also a great investment. The green or just the any Soylent? Well, any Soylent because, you know, when the world is coming to an end, people are going to wish they had that, right? So they're going to pay yeah. top dollar for that. So you've got yourself a, a commodity that you can not only consume, but that you can use to gouge people. <laughs> and that's what matters most at the end of the world. Well, exactly. Uh, it's it's all true. Um, where do people? Is there one place to go, Creek? A good place to go for a person to, to acquire the things that need to be required? Is it a one-stop shop, or are you going to have to move around a little bit to find everything you need? You're going to have to move around a little bit. You're going to have to, you know, I I collect everything you need to get started in in that book, the Disaster Ready Home, to make it really easy. But there is no one-stop shop, and everyone is going to be different anyway. Everybody's like, we just had somebody mention about gluten-free. Everybody's diets and family and circumstances are going to be a little bit different. So there's really no turnkey plan. Everybody's customized just a little bit, um, especially in the food department. Now, when you move into, like, water, for example, you know, everybody can almost have the same exact water plan Mm -hmm. because water is a really big deal. And it's oftentimes one of the conveniences that we enjoy that is taken offline in almost every disaster. Yeah, I suppose that is. True, I do my sh- I do my uh, my shopping on dystopia dot com. I find I can get everything <laughs> I need there. Smart. Well, hey, one of the be- one of the beauties of living in Minnesota in the winter is if their disaster does happen, the water supply gets cut down. You just go uh, shovel three four tons of snow, and you got water for the rest of your life. So that's true. That's right. That would be helpful. That would be helpful. It might be filthy water, but it's water. Creek is there? Well, is there a Oh, go ahead, sir. Sorry. I was just going to say a part of every water plan should include a water filter, Mm -hmm. an off-grid water filter that doesn't require electricity. The one I like to use is called a Big Berkey, and it's a gravity-fed filter. You pour melted snow, for example, in the top of it or out of a pond or creek or out of a rain barrel. You pour it in the top of it, it's going to drip through the filters and come out the bottom safe to drink. It's going to take out any bacteria, protozoan cysts, plastics, chlorine, and a whole laundry list of other items that you might be worried about. So everyone should have a gravity-fed filter in place for exactly the circumstance that you just described, Mm -hmm. for sourcing open-source water when your supply is cut off or your stores run out. Yeah, it makes total sense. Is it, do you have, Creek, do you have a list um, that you published uh, of the, the things that you would recommend for Because obviously uh, you don't want to be getting unhealthy by eating a lot of foods that aren't good for you. And, you know, it's, it, you're taking a much 
I guess yeah. in other words, what I'm saying is you probably don't want to smoke uh, a whole lot. You don't want to drink a whole lot of alcohol, but you also don't want to eat a bunch of food that's not very good for you in a time like that, do you? Yeah, no. I mean, you want to you take all of those account, things into account when putting away your long-term food storage, and that's one of the reasons why I recommend you know, just using the foods that are incorporated into your regular diet. And, I mean, I, I do believe that the foods that have a longer shelf life, maybe one to three years, that are on inner aisles of grocery stores, they're probably the least healthy, right? You know, the canned goods and the, and the box meals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hopefully we're not talking about living off of these things for years. I mean, that's never happened before. But something that always happens is people having to, you know, tap into what's in their long-term food storage pantry for a few days, maybe even a few weeks. Um, and so we're talking a stopgap buffer of food and water and other supplies here. Not necessarily like I'm not, I'm never going to get back to normal and I'm going to be living off of my long-term food storage forever. Yeah, that makes sense. Andy, we need to take a break here. We'll be right mm-hmm. back with Creek right after this and the family. The 2022 Bloomington Boat Show is here and going on now. Get out of the cold and into a 25,000-square-foot heated showroom at Dan Southside Marine. A huge inventory of boats means the best deals of the year. Get the boat you want rigged the way you wanted it. Over 60 boats on display from Premier, Avalon, Berkshire, Alumacraft, and more. Ask about the new Alumacraft Competitor FSX, the best new fish ski crossover on the market. See the Premier Revolution featuring first-of-its-kind rotational seating or Avalon's new electric VRB, all rigged with motors from Suzuki. Shop a huge inventory of boats inside a heated 25,000-square-foot showroom. The Bloomington Boat Show at Dan Southside Marine. Factory reps will be there, too. Bring the family and explore what's new for 2022 at the Bloomington Boat Show at Dan Southside Marine. Located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington, visit bloomingtonboatshow.com. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with a lot of multi-generational, family-owned businesses. Take Raymond Auto Body of St. Paul, for example. Four generations of the Slomkowski family having successfully run the business. When they were ready to expand, we helped them acquire a new building, allowing them to service more vehicles in their state-of-the-art shop. We've also helped them set up the next generation of owners, keeping the business and family for years to come. Tom here. If you want a family business like me or any business, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. I know them and trust them with my banking. Every time I deal with them or their team, I know I'm working with experienced professional bankers. Sounds like we really won you over, Tommy. Well, let's not get crazy, Brad. Seriously. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member, FDIC, and equal housing lender? You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We are back, Mike Gelfand, with us, Doug Sprinthal, Andy, 
Creek Stewart, our special guest. We're talking about trying to trying to slog through tough times. Is that the best way to put it, Creek? With it slogging through tough times, huh? <laughs> yeah, for for a lot of people, I think it would feel like that. We have actually a question uh, from a guest, well, from a listener, yeah. from Wendy. Uh, she has a garden, and she has a food dehydrator, uh, and she can rehydrate them over the winter or whatever. Uh, is that a good investment, do you think, is uh, dehydrating foods? Sure it is, absolutely. So dehydrated foods have a shelf life of typically one to three years. There you go. Um, if stored properly. And so... You want to keep that in mind when storing them. They're not necessarily a forever food. Um, so as long as you're moving those through rotation on a regular basis, then uh, that's that's a fantastic way to preserve uh, fresh vegetables and foods and incorporate those into a, a long term a long term food meal. See, looks like, looks like Wendy's set for uh, for any sort of disaster, whether it be nuclear yeah. or just you know. The roads are all shut down because there's an 80-car pileup, which happens pretty much every winter. <laughs> that is yeah. the truth, isn't it? Yeah. Mr. Gelfand, any, sure. any new questions, Mr. Gelfand, about, you know, Soylent Green, anything? <laughs> you know, I, I, just, uh, I just think that what, we're, what we haven't explored here is the, uh, the emergency need for uh, for medications, yeah, uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Because you know we're going to need that. Ooh. But can you really? I mean, uh, how much can you store uh, Ativan, for example, before it goes bad? What about Prozac? Uh, mm-hmm. Can you freeze Prozac? I wonder. Can freeze you freeze dried, dry Prozac? Pro, yeah. Are you looking in your own well, medicine cabinet are. right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only part of it. No, that's just from memory. He's on the consonants. Yep. But, I mean, it is true, you know, that that is one thing that in a situation like this, in a dystopian situation, mm-hmm. mental health care is going to be at a premium. Oh, and withdrawals from something like SSRIs, they can be brutal. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, the Paxil especially, I might say, the brain zaps. Yeah, you get bad. the brain zaps, yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. The Andy and so, I are on the same level. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, you are. You bring a good point. Uh, you bring up a really good point about medication because there are certainly some people who are dependent on daily meds in order to stay alive, not just be healthy. And right. so that should be a conversation. Everyone who requires medication, especially daily medication, that should be a conversation you need to be having with your primary care physician is you need to say, hey, listen, I'm trying to prepare for two weeks or one month and having my meds on hand for that time period is a part of that preparedness plan, how can you help me build a backstock of medications? Some medications, they cannot do that legally, yep. but there are a lot of medications that they can that they can help you build that preparedness backstock of, and you would treat those exactly like you would treat your long-term food. You would rotate through those, similar to like you would do vitamins if you were to store vitamins in your long-term food storage pantry. You would rotate through those so that they're always fresh, uh, most medications have a shelf life of one to three years. Doesn't mean they're not good. It just means they're less effective. Mm-hmm. And so that's a conversation that people on meds absolutely should be having with their doctors. That's a great. Yep. God, no you, doubt. You made you made Gelfan look good. I don't know if I like that or not, Greek. Well, well that's been know. a lifelong uh, effort of mine that has failed. <laughs> that has failed. Well, now you can check that off the list. 
and now it's off the list. See, I, I'm glad you did bring that up, though, because you're not just talking about food. You're talking about well-being. You're talking about medications. Um, if you're hunkered down, I mean, you better get up and move around. What about that part? I mean, people, people can't just sit there and winnow away their hours worried about this, that, and the other thing. They're going to have to get up and move around. So, okay, we got the right food, we got the right medication, but you got to keep that heart in shape, too. Um, any recommendations along those lines? You know, I, I don't have a lot of recommendations as far as exercise goes. It is important, uh, certainly, um, especially if you're trapped inside, like literally trapped inside of your house. So that would be very important. But it makes me think of one category that hardly anyone actually considers, especially okay. those who live in the city, is what if your toilet stops flushing, okay? Oh, so this is this becomes a major issue. Like if water doesn't work oh, yeah. or, or the sewage pipes are clogged up or busted because of one reason or another, which happens all the time, and your toilets don't flush, and all of a sudden you can't use the bathroom like you normally would, especially in the city, you have a real, real big issue for just disease and yeah. uh, hygiene issues. And so... Um, let me just offer up uh, a $20 solution for that, that everyone could literally implement this weekend and knock this item off their list. So it's a composting toilet with a plastic five-gallon bucket that you buy at your local hardware store. You order a snap-on toilet seat lid for that bucket. They're about $20. And then you go to your local hardware store or wood shop and pick up some free sawdust that they'll give you. Put some sawdust in the bottom of that bucket, go number one and number two right on top, and then just cover it up when you're done. Once that bucket's full, you can snap a solid lid on it, slide it over into the corner. It's safe. It's out of the way. In a couple of months, it'll be humanure that's composted dirt, essentially, that you can dump out in the yard or in the woods. And that right there is the $20 solution to dealing with one of the most critical issues you could possibly imagine in a disaster if you're faced with it. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Well, actually, we have a similar question. Uh, so, in mm-hmm. a situation like that, toilet paper luxury? I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lux- luxury for sure. Um, but that's that's a personal hygiene item. I mean, I know we all make fun of it. It's the it's the thing that's featured on news televisions and news channels when every disaster happens. Yep. People panic by toilet paper. But it is, and it, you know, I mean, if you don't have toilet paper, it becomes a little becomes a little weird. You're like all of a sudden using paper, and you just regular. I mean, go back a hundred years, you know. I mean, what people were using the Sears catalog and corn cobs and moss, and mm. you know, Lord only knows what. So having that stuff on hand, it might sound a little silly because the news has made it sound a little silly. But you know, tampons, toilet paper personal hygiene products, having a regular supply of those on hand is a really, really smart idea. If you really think about it, uh, it is pretty crazy how many little things that people require just to live comfortably right now. I mean, like toothbrushes, toothpaste, probably some mouthwash. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't even know if you could put that many things in a supply bunker. Yeah, well, you pick the most important, and you mm-hmm. use that concept of rotation, right? So we're buying a little bit of extra of those things, and rather than just setting them aside and forgetting about them in the basement or in the garage, where they will go bad eventually, a lot of things, you know, we utilize that 
concept of rotation. We, we dedicate a little area in our house, whether it's a closet or a shelf in the basement, to our long-term food storage and personal hygiene items, buying up a little bit of extra each time. And before long, you've got kind of a rotation backstock that you can move through. And so it, it makes a lot of sense for not only food, but some of the items we were just talking about, too. It's a, it's a slight change in lifestyle, but I, I tell you, man, I mean, if something happens, like this stuff really makes a huge difference. Oh, yeah, I could definitely see that. Sorry, Andy, I thought you were going to answer him there. But in any case, uh, Creek Stewart, ladies and gentlemen, Creek, thank you for your time today. I think it was fascinating. Is it because of COVID we're even thinking about this right now? Why are we concentrating on it? Because I think we are. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. You know, I mean, it's a topic that a lot of people thought about for a long time. But most people are are feel very uneasy right now because of COVID, because of politics, and because of everything else crazy happening in the world. And when people feel uneasy, they try to compensate by controlling what they can. And their minds right. immediately go to things like food, water. What can I control within my little micro environment just in case? And that's why people are thinking about this for sure. And that's exactly the answer I was hoping for. It, it, uh, yeah, I think people are just maybe they're a little bored on top of it. It's like, wait a minute, I better yeah. put some uh, yeah. some books aside too because I'm bored as hell. Yeah, that's it. That is true. Very good point, Creek. Thank you, sir. Have a wonderful day. Appreciate the opportunity, guys. Absolutely, great having you on. Bye, Creek Stewart, ladies and gentlemen. Behave. That's all I have to say to all of you. Right? Uh, yeah. No. You're not buying it. The man makes sense. Yeah, what do you think, Mike? Nowhere, like I said, we're $30 trillion in debt. We're paying a billion dollars a day, a little over that, in interest alone. I mean, we're we're hunkered down because of COVID, everybody. I mean, look, like I said, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I don't hate you because of what you are or whatever. That That's not what I'm all about. I don't like it much when I see things like what Susan Sarandon did uh, yesterday. I'm not fired up about that. Did you see what she did? I I did not, no. She uh, was watching a policeman's, uh, policeman's funeral on television, and uh, uh, I, I don't know if it was a friend of hers or what it was, but it was somebody, and she agreed with them 100%. That this is the true face of fascism. Really? I mean, she's a dumb celebrity. Who cares what she says? Well, I know, but how could you even be so crass as to say something like, the guy's dead for God's sake. And I believe it was one of those young guys that got killed in uh, in Harlem. Oh, one, one of those, those guys two cops? I believe so, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, there there so, are a lot of contenders for the true face of fascism. Yeah, I, <laughs> but that's not one of them. Clamoring for the throne right, right at, yeah. the, at the moment. Well, Galfan, what do you know? Because I just got off the phone with Whoopi Goldberg, and she said, it's, you're not about race anyway, so what do you care? Do you, you believe know, she said that? The thing about Whoopi Goldberg is, if, <laughs> if you had, at, at some point in your life, if you decide you're going to change your name from Johnson to, to a Goldberg, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you probably should do a little studying up on the Holocaust. Is the thought. Might be nobody nobody maybe expects you to know a lot about it if your name is Johnson. But yeah. if your name is Goldberg, I'd say yes. There's, you know, maybe four or five questions you might want to pose and try to try to figure out the answer. So, so the Mike, truth, of is, course, is that the is truth that, is that the Holocaust is about a lot of things. Is that actually right. a given name, or are you just making that? No, up? it's really it is Johnson. Yeah, yep. 
Yeah, Cheryl Johnson. Karen Johnson. Right? Karen Johnson. There you go. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg is a completely made up name. So, Karen. I got to tell you something, and I'm very serious about this. If I decided to change my radio name to Motul, I'd probably find out a little about Judaism. I really would. Sure. What do you think? Yeah. yeah Motul in the morning. Go with, say, Christian. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd yeah. want to know a little more about Jesus. There you go. Exactly. So what the hell's the problem? I just, what, Mike, give me your opinion. What is this really all about with Hollywood? Are they insane in Hollywood, or what's the problem? Well, the thing is, if you if you have enough money, and, you know, you're only talking there about a tiny slice of, of that community. Yeah, you know, you're right. Because that's you're the right. only slice of it we really know about is the people who are filthy rich. And, yeah, uh, true. And many of them, I say, have entertained me, and they deserve to, to be rich. It's fine. I don't, I don't really have a problem with it. But the mm-hmm. fact is that the richer you get, the fewer guardrails you have. Well, yeah. look at it this way. When you're so crazy that Tim Robbins dumps you, you might be kind of nuts. <laughs> that is true. That's a good well, point. Look at man. Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes yeah. used to be the face of wealth, right? Yep, absolutely. Now, if Howard Hughes had been just a, a middle-class guy like most of us, he probably wouldn't have stored his urine. <laughs> what, you in, don't? In, you know, in mason jars, right? Or walked around with Kleenex boxes <laughs> on his feet. <laughs> Yeah, but right, exactly. Well, Although I, I, I don't know, I kind of, I'm a little sensitive about that one. But, <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I meant facial tissue, Mike. Yeah, facial tissue. But the yes, fact, yes. the fact of the matter is, if you're rich, you know, you can do anything, and no one's going to say, you know, I think you need to talk to someone. That's true. You need to dial her back. It's kind of like a spectacle rather than a person at a, a certain point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I really wish because I every time I watch the news and it doesn't matter which channel it's on because I watch them all and you know now we got uh, Jeff Zucker and I I would like to take credit because I told everybody about five six years ago that there's no way he's going to last that guy's a scumbag of the first order I think he did pretty and well for they himself. lasted a while though didn't yeah. he? How long much he longer than he should have how many millions of dollars well, did he make I think he's fine oh yeah he's fine <laughs> he should be okay yeah yeah. But uh, just a horrible human being, I guess. Really, really hard to work for. Um, but but I just here's what I don't understand. What really? This is about the ratings because they're not going to fire him because he didn't bother to tell them about his girlfriend. No, oh, he was yeah, like, I, assaulting I people. I had a hard time, you know, feeling yes. like, oh, what a despicable human being. I mean, right? He's, he's not married. She's not married. They they knew each other. They were like best pals for twenty years. Seems yep. to me, I I would have been concerned if they didn't shack up. Yeah, that's something you get like a week long sensitivity training course or something, and not yeah. Yeah, not fired, fired from the position of CEO. It's it's an excuse, a very flimsy one. I just looked up uh, how how CNN's ratings are doing. Not good. Mm. From January to January, they're down ninety percent. No way, ninety percent. Look it up. I just looked that it up. Is, you can look it up. That w- that's like well, end the, the of worst thing the that system. could ever have happened to them would have been a Democrat being elected president. That is well. That's probably true. Yes, that's very true. That is probably true because this is all about hatred of whoever is, whomever is in charge, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's great for Fox. It's terrible for CNN. Yeah, it's well, yeah, you're right. CNN. What? Uh, minus 82% in the 25 to 54 demo. 77% total prime time. Whoops. That is... CNN might not be around for much longer if this new guy doesn't uh, 
do something because well, yeah, that's and there's, and there's a post headline, and he, he, I think he might actually be right. Trump claims ratings drop, not a fair cause. Jeff Zucker's end at CNN. Yeah, there you go. Well, we all know it. It's like, of course, yeah. Mm. All be right, so fair. I got two points of business. One is that we got Polly on the phone. All right. Well, we're going to start with that. Going then, I'm going to the second part after that. Yep. Polly, what's up? Polly. Hey, that was a really great. Oh, can you hear me now? Uh, yep. Um, yes, sir. That was a yep. really great conversation. That was. Yeah. I was kind of. I was originally calling him to ask Doug some questions um, for Carso and Secrets. All right. Well, but, um, that next hour. Okay. Yeah, and then, you know, I and I also wanted. I, I was really glad to hear Mike Alfred's voice because, you know, I fell off the wagon. Surprise, surprise. Mm. Oh, I don't you think did? you did tell. <laughs> when, when, yeah, when did you do yeah, that, Paulie? When did you do that? A couple months ago. Oh, um, I did not know that. I was so. calling and I was... Um, but I'm I'm back. I got honest about okay, it. Good. I told my... Um, I, I eventually ended up in the emergency room. Oh, the emergency room and, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Everything's cool now, though. Um, I um, I talked to my counselor. I, we made a new plan. I talked to. I'm, I was actually was on probation because this originally started with um, with a DUI that I had. Oh, okay. And, um, All right. I talked to him, and um, and everything is cool. So that's good. But the, the, the question I wanted to ask, Doug, maybe I can save that for a little while later. If you guys, oh, you want to call in second hour? But um, there can I just stay on hold? Yeah, that's true. Do you we have a guest for calling selling secrets? No. Well, you and me and We're Mike all, and your dad. Just the just the guys and Polly. Just uh, like it. three okay. guys who know nothing about cars and one guy who does. Yeah. <laughs> well, there well, I don't know how much golf fan. He probably yeah. knows more about cars than I do, but I'm saying he doesn't. There's uh, there's uh, there's one other one other thing I wanted to mention before before um, you're talking about a trillion dollars. Yes. Um, now Andy's good at math. You know that's one million, one million times over. That's yeah, how much that's a trillion, trillion one million. put all the zeros together. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah, that—that's a lot of millionaires. <laughs> well, yeah, it so. is indeed, and it's a lot of debt to pay back. And mm-hmm. I don't know how the hell we're ever going to do it. I have no idea how we're ever going to get that done. Uh, I think we're good ideas, China man? sinks into the ocean, and then, yeah. <laughs> then <laughs> yeah, who do exactly. we owe money to? No one. That'll be China. China's the one. <laughs> that's America's long-term right? plan. We just hope everyone else stops existing. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because that's exactly what we did to France after the revolution. <laughs> that is true. We yep. owed France a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And the founding father said, well, you guys decapitated the king. That's not Yeah, you're not France fault. anymore. You, you're France, too. You started it's a new government. So yep. we, we owe the money to the ones you guys killed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's I true. like it. Yeah. So maybe that is the solution to yeah, our maybe economic it's, woes. It's just a- yeah, just fine them. Yeah, could be. I like that. You, know, you did something wrong. Here's a fine. Here's a fine for doing something wrong. Oh, the car's already right. doing that. All right, quick question. So we get rid of our $30 trillion worth of debt. How long do you think it'll be before we run yeah. it right back up Another again? Five years. Well, God, it's so scary. And I, like hey, I said, you're I asking, you're, you're asking the alcoholic, man. You know, 
you get rid of your um, all your guilt and shame, and you just wrap it right back up. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're being honest, Paul. You, you that's know, what we you, like. You know, this is one of the ahead. rare occasions when I'm more uplifting than other people. <laughs> <laughs> it feels weird, doesn't it, Mike? Mike Gelf and the up. voice of reason. I love it. I love it. All right, we should probably oh, take a break. I, yeah, Paul, you- it was so great to hear it. All right. Well, I just wanted to say thanks. Yeah, stick around, Polly. We'll take your car questions here in a few minutes. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Right. Bye. We'll take a break here for just a couple of minutes. Come back in about eight minutes, Andy, something like that. We can do that. We'll be back quarter after the hour. Polly will be with us. Mike Gelfand. Doug Sprinthal, of course, hosting Car Selling Secrets. And Officer Dave says, hang in there, Polly. So... Oh, see, that's very nice. Yep, I'll stay, I'll, I'll stay around. Thank no, you. I mean, hang in there as in, like, you know. In life. Yes, exactly. Hang in there as a oh, general rule. Indeed. That's All right, we'll much. take a break. 